Well, hey there, you. Welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. I'm Nurse Mo, and as always, thrilled to be talking with you today. And what we're going to be diving in today is another one of those subjects where I'm at work and I realize I really need and want to know more about this topic. So then I do a bunch of research learn a ton, and then share that with you. So how this is taking form today is we're talking about LVADs, left ventricular assist devices. So before we get into that, I want to take a quick minute for a listener shout out to my SAN fam. And this one goes out to Jess, who's a student in my Crucial Concepts Bootcamp course. And Jess says, Nurse Mo's material is thorough and easy to process. Her teaching style is the perfect balance of encouragement and challenge. This course is an excellent resource, one you can reference again and again. I have. Thank you, Jess, for that glowing review of Boot Camp, and I love that you're able to go back and look through it again and again. So many students will enroll before their classes start and then basically do it as a refresher every time they have a minute or, you know, when they're on a break from school. And I love that you've been able to do that. So thanks again so much, Jess. And if you're wondering what she's talking about, Crucial Concepts Bootcamp, it's my nursing school prep course. I will put the information for that and the link in the episode notes. Okay, so let's dive into our topic today, which is left ventricular assist devices. So a left ventricular assist device, or as it's more commonly called, LVAD, is a mechanical pump that is surgically inserted to basically assist the left ventricle in pumping blood to the body. Now, this device is often used as a temporary measure for patients with very severe heart failure while they await a heart transplant. And when it's used in that way, it's called bridge to transplant therapy. Sometimes you may see it shortened to just bridge therapy. However, it can also be utilized long term for patients who, for some reason, are not able to have a heart transplant. So in this case, it's referred to as destination therapy. And then in some cases, such as those with acute ischemic heart failure, it can sometimes be used temporarily. The heart function could improve enough over time to allow for LVAD weaning. Okay, so it's going to be bridge to transplant therapy, destination therapy, or temporary as the heart heals and recovers from an acute event. So how does an LVAD actually work? Okay, so for the purposes of simplicity, this episode is referencing the HeartMate 3. So there's a few different types of LVADs made by different manufacturers. So I referenced the HeartMate 3. That one is manufactured by the company Abbott, and they have a fantastic, really robust website that if you've got like an hour or so, Go and check it out if you're way into this topic. You will learn so, so much from their website. It's phenomenal. I'll include a link to their website in the episode notes. So the HeartMate 3 includes both internal and external components. So the internal component is the LVAD itself. 
So the inflow conduit of the LVAD is attached directly to the apex of the left ventricle, while the outflow conduit is attached to the ascending aorta. Now, the device pumps blood from that left ventricle, and it goes like, it's kind of taking like a a, a circuit circuitous route. I can never say that word, but it's kind of taking like a different route, right? It's going to pump blood from the left ventricle and put it right into the ascending aorta. So it's assisting the left ventricle in its job, which is getting blood out to the body. And how it does that is by improving cardiac output. The HeartMate 3 can provide a flow rate of 2.5 to 10 liters per minute, which is enough to meet the body's demands. So that's the internal components. Now, the external components consist of a drive line, which provides power to the LVAD. There's also the rechargeable batteries and the controller. These are worn by the patient at all times with a specially designed bag, a belt and vest combo, or a belt and neck strap combo. The goal is to provide the patient with as much freedom of mobility, as much independence as possible, so they can basically resume their normal activities of daily living and improved quality of life. So that drive line that I mentioned, it basically looks like a very, very large catheter coming out and it exits at the abdomen, kind of the upper abdomen, um, usually kind of over on the side a bit, and is covered with a sterile dressing. It's anchored to the abdomen, so um, a little bit distal to that dressing, you'll see an anchor device. So it's anchored to the abdomen for added security. This is 100% not the type of line that you want to get dislodged or displaced. So this whole device, this whole LVAD device is placed via a surgical procedure that involves the patient being placed on cardiopulmonary bypass and takes about four to eight hours. So it's a big deal surgery. Patients will be taken to a cardiovascular surgery ICU after the procedure where they typically stay for about four to five days, assuming no complications occur. Now, during this time, the patient is ideally going to be weaned off any medications that they've been on. You know, many times these patients with severe heart failure will have to be on consistent infusions of things like dopamine, right, or milrinone or something like that. They'll get weaned off these medications and then undergo tests to measure their heart function. And this could be like an EKG and echocardiogram. Patients will begin working with physical therapy as soon as they are stable enough, often post-op day one. And I'm not saying post-op day one, they're rambling the halls. But post-op day one, they're for sure going to get out of bed and be sitting in the bedside chair, right, having their meals as long as, you know, they're off the ventilator and they're stable enough. So cardiovascular surgery ICUs are just fantastic at mobilizing their patients as soon as they possibly can. So after the ICU, patients will be transferred to a step-down cardiac care unit where they typically stay for a bit, about 14 to 21 days. 
During this time, they will continue to increase mobility. Remember, they've had very severe heart failure. So their mobility and their exercise tolerance was very, very drastically impacted by that. We've got to get their strength up and get them as mobile and independent as possible. And this takes some time. So during this time, they're increasing mobility and learning a lot about their device, the care and maintenance of that device. So what are some complications of having an LVAD? So specific complications related to the LVAD device itself are device malfunction or failure and the formation of thrombi, which can lead to stroke. Some other associated complications are bleeding, including hemorrhagic stroke and GI bleeding, right ventricular failure, cardiac arrhythmias, and infection. So that's your general overview of LVADs. So now let's go through some more details using the straight-A nursing latte method. So we are not going to be talking so much about how you take care of these patients in the immediate post-op period because that's a much more advanced topic and that's going to be very specialized to that cardiovascular surgery ICU environment. I'm going to be talking more about that patient who's come in after the fact and is getting maybe some other kind of procedure done or who has an issue not related to their heart failure or their LVAD device. So you'll see them in other parts of the hospital. I see them in the PACU on a pretty regular basis because patients with LVADs have to get surgeries and procedures for other things that aren't at all even related to their heart condition. So you'll see them in recovery, the ER, other types of cardiac units. So they're definitely not just going to be in the cardiovascular surgery ICU. And I want you to have an understanding of how to assess and care for these patients. The L in the latte method stands for look. How does the patient look? What are you going to notice about them, etc.? So because the HeartMate 3 provides adequate cardiac output for most individuals, as long as it's functioning optimally, their signs and symptoms of heart failure should be pretty well managed. They'll definitely be less than what they were before they got the LVAD. And in some patients, they could not have any symptoms of heart failure at this time. Now, the patient will have that dressing in that abdominal area where the drive line exits. And again, that will be anchored to the body a few inches from that exit site to ensure it does not become dislodged. Now, the patient will be wearing their equipment, the controller, the batteries, and some kind of specialized carrying device. Now, if they are, you know, just coming from surgery, that will probably just be on the bed with them. It's not going to necessarily be around their body, but it will be there with them. And this could be just a single bag. Again, it could be a holster with a belt attachment. And then there's also more like a holster vest type of contraption. Now, because these patients do require anticoagulation, they may bruise easily. So something you might notice about this patient is maybe they're a little bruisey. Maybe you'll see like where IVs were inserted or attempted to be inserted, and you'll see those telltale bruises on the forearm or the hand, right? If there are signs of heart failure present, these can include generalized weakness, dyspnea, 
pulmonary edema, and jugular vein distension. But again, if everything's going as it should, they'll have either, you know, minimal or even absent heart failure signs and symptoms. Mostly what you'll notice is they've got this thing coming out of their abdomen. They're wearing this contraption. They've got this controller device, all of that. So how do you assess the patient with an LVAD? The next letter in the LATTE method is A, and that stands for assess. These patients will be coming in for all sorts of reasons. Sometimes it's because of their cardiac status, and sometimes it's for something like a knee replacement or something completely unrelated. So again, even if you don't work in a cardiovascular surgery ICU, if you're going to be working on like a telemetry floor, the ER, a recovery room... Any place like that, you are likely to see patients with LVADs who have come in for other things. So usually in the way my hospital does it is no matter what you come into the hospital for, if you have an LVAD, you're going to be on a monitored unit and you're going to be with nurses that understand the LVAD and how it works. So that would be like a cardiac care unit. So that's how it works at my hospital. It might be different in other places, so I just want you to be aware of how you assess these patients, okay? So general assessment for a patient with an LVAD includes monitoring the device, monitoring cardiac function, and measuring their map, okay? So those are kind of the general things. So here, here's some more details. You want to auscultate the heart, and you should hear a humming sound. That is the sound that the LVAD makes. If you don't hear a humming sound, there's probably also some alarms going off and your patient's probably not doing well. So auscultate the heart, you'll hear that humming sound. These patients are going to be on continuous EKG monitoring. So monitor their EKG. Even again, if they're in the hospital for something not cardiac related, we still wanna keep a close eye on their cardiac function. With graduation season already in motion, now is the time to plan for the next steps in your career. When I began my career, I remember feeling all the things. I was overwhelmed, but also so excited to finally be starting my career I'd worked so hard for. I was stressed, but also really fascinated by everything I was learning. And I often felt inadequate, as many new grads do, but was also so proud that I'd landed my dream job in the ICU. And I was also really, really thankful that I was in a residency program that helped me deal with all these complex thoughts and feelings of uncertainty, which is why I recommend checking out the nurse residency program with HCA Healthcare. HCA Healthcare's year-long nurse residency program is tailored to support newly graduated nurses and ease that first-year anxiety. With benefits like continued education, including state-of-the-art simulation training, student loan assistance and tuition reimbursement, endless career growth opportunities, and more. Plus, HCA Healthcare gives you the opportunity to advance your career in one of the largest healthcare systems in the country. And you'll have support from a community of caring, experienced nurses and fellow nurse residents. Don't wait. Students who are preparing to graduate and recent grads are eligible to apply to the nurse residency program at HCA Healthcare. Learn more today at careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. Again, that's careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. 
HCA Healthcare, an equal opportunity employer. So let's talk about how we get a blood pressure reading. So when we get the blood pressure reading for somebody with an LVAD, we're basically getting the mean arterial pressure. And we're basically going to be doing this with a Doppler. Now, I did see some resources that said you could do it by palpation if they do have a palpable pulse. But I've never had an LVAD patient with a palpable pulse, so I've always used the Doppler method. So Here's how you go about doing that. And there's some great videos online. I will link to a really good one in the episode notes so that you can actually see this in action. So to obtain that Doppler reading of your mean arterial pressure, you'll need your Doppler, your conduction gel, and a manual blood pressure cuff. So get the blood pressure cuff on the upper arm, get your conduction gel right there where you assume the brachial artery is in that area, and then you're going to get out the Doppler device and listen for that flowing sound. Then you'll inflate that manual blood pressure cuff until that flowing sound goes away. And then slowly deflate the cuff as you listen for the return of that flowing sound. The point at which you hear that sound is going to be the MAP, the mean arterial pressure. You also want to make note of the device settings and the flow rate. There should be a dedicated area on the flow sheet for you to chart this data. If there isn't, find out how your facility wants you to chart this. Is it a narrative note? Where does the physician want it charted so that they can easily find it as well? You'll also be assessing for adequate perfusion by assessing the mental status of the patient, capillary refill, and skin signs. And then again, monitoring that EKG, making note of any cardiac dysrhythmias or arrhythmias, which are not uncommon in patients with an LVAD. So if your patient does have any signs or symptoms of heart failure, your general monitoring will be listening to heart and lungs, monitoring for edema, measuring daily weights, getting a full set of vital signs, assessing for shortness of breath, low oxygen saturation levels, all of those things. For more information about caring for patients with heart failure, check out episode 57, where I go into right-sided versus left-sided heart failure. Again, that's episode 57. So the next letter in the latte method is T, what tests will be ordered for a patient with an LVAD. So tests utilized after LVAD implantation will be aimed at monitoring heart function and for signs of complications such as infection. And these include EKG. Many patients with LVAD, again, will have atrial or ventricular arrhythmias. They'll get echocardiogram to assess cardiac function periodically. If they're showing signs of infection, CBC to monitor for that. BMP will monitor for electrolyte imbalances. The BNP will be elevated in heart failure. And if the patient's taking warfarin, they'll be getting their INR checked routinely. And if they're taking heparin, that test is the PTT. And then what about treatments? What treatments are provided for a patient with an LVAD? So patients with an LVAD will likely be taking medication to help manage their heart failure as well as anticoagulation therapy. So even though the LVAD itself really helps, the patients still may need their heart failure medications. And this is going to be something that they will work individually with their physician to either, you know, wean as necessary 
and keep a very close eye on that cardiac function. So diuretics is a very common medication. This is used to maintain fluid balance. A very common one is furosemide. Beta blockers such as metoprolol or propranolol keep the heart from beating too fast and reduce its workload. Beta blockers have an added benefit of blocking the heart's response to stress hormones, which can contribute to heart dysfunction. ACE inhibitors block hormones that cause vasoconstriction, easing the workload on the heart. Angiotensin receptor blockers, or ARBs, also work to dilate vessels, making it easier for the heart to pump effectively. Digoxin is going to slow the heart rate while increasing its contractile force, and this helps improve cardiac output. Aldosterone blockers, such as spironolactone, help the body maintain sodium and fluid balance. Anticoagulant medications include warfarin, heparin, and aspirin and are used to prevent thrombotic events. Note that your patient could be taking a direct-acting oral anticoagulant, or DOAC, such as apixaban, also known as Eliquis. And then we have phosphodiesterase inhibitors, and these decrease pulmonary hypertension, which reduces workload on the right side of the heart. And then after implantation surgery, let's say you're taking care of this patient after they've left that cardiovascular ICU, they are in the step-down unit with you, your patient will receive physical therapy as their heart failure has likely, again, led to significant physical deconditioning. The goal is to increase activity and gain as much independence and mobility as possible. Now, if an LVAD patient becomes unresponsive, Follow your facility's protocols for this emergency. Some common protocols can include checking for secure connections and adequate power. Anytime the device loses power or becomes disconnected, you should have some alarms sounding. If the LVAD is not functioning and cannot be started, follow ACLS protocols and call the VAD coordinator to get expert help there immediately. If you're caring for an LVAD patient and need immediate help, a great resource is the cardiovascular ICU if your hospital has one. If the LVAD has power but the patient still shows signs of poor perfusion, general protocols are to perform chest compressions and follow ACLS guidelines. Again, you will always follow your facility's protocols. You'll always want to reach out to that VAD coordinator and get immediate expert help from Anybody that you can in your facility, it might be to call the on-call cardiologist, to call the cardiovascular ICU, to call the rapid response team. Whoever you need, get help. And again, you're calling that VAD coordinator and always following your facility's practices and protocols. So the next letter in the LATTE method is E. How do you educate the patient and the family with an LVAD? So there's going to be a lot of patient education that occurs with an LVAD being in place. So let's say you're the nurse taking care of the patient. They had their LVAD placed a month ago. They're finally getting out of the hospital. So prior to discharge, you'll want to be sure that the patient understands how to manage their device, how to respond to warning signals from the controller, how to change the power source, and care for the driveline site. Other key teachings include... Monitoring at home involves tracking their blood pressure, taking their temperature, taking their weight, and 
writing down their LVAD device data daily, and to take all of these measurements at the same time every day. You also want to ensure they know how to change that driveline dressing. This is a sterile procedure. You also want to make sure they know how to take all their medications and that some doses may be adjusted or new ones added as the body gets used to having this LVAD in place. You also want to ensure they know how to recognize complications such as infection, bleeding, and stroke. Speaking of bleeding, they need to follow bleeding precautions. Some great advice that is usually shared is to use an electric razor, avoid activities that increase the risk of falling, and avoiding NSAIDs. They also need to understand the importance of carrying a backup controller and fully charged batteries at all times, and that regular exercise is encouraged, but they will need to start slow and progress gently. Swimming and contact sports must be avoided. As for showering, patients will be given a special bag to place their device in so that they are able to shower. And this is just the tip of the iceberg for LVAD teaching. There's a lot more around this topic. The website from UCSF has an excellent FAQ for patients and families about living with a ventricular assist device. So I will link to that in the episode notes as well. Okay, so here's your brief summary. An LVAD is a pump that helps the heart pump blood out to the body. The patient will probably not have a palpable pulse. You will measure the MAP, the mean arterial pressure, instead of systolic diastolic blood pressure, and you'll do this using a Doppler. The patient will be taking some kind of anticoagulants, and the patient will have an external controller and a driveline that exits the abdomen and is anchored at a site distal to the dressing. So I hope that helps you understand the basics of caring for a patient with an LVAD so that you don't maybe totally freak out the first time that you see one. And if you're interested in more episodes on cardiovascular nursing, I have a link in the episode notes so that you can just click right on that and go to a whole collection. So I will see you back here next, actually not next week. We are doing a bonus episode. Actually, it's tomorrow. So come back tomorrow and you will get that bonus episode on preparing for the NCLEX. So to make sure that you always get all the latest episodes, if you subscribe or follow the podcast, they show up for you like magic when they're released. So that way you never miss one of our regular episodes, which come out on Thursday or any of the bonus episodes that we do. So I will see you tomorrow. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing.